right. Good evening. Thank you. And before we even get started, I'm going to do that. Well, I want to thank your pastor. Uh, he's not here, obviously. You know that. But I want to thank him for giving me the opportunity to come and preach. And I want to thank you for being here to listen. Wouldn't have been no need for me to come if you wouldn't have been here to listen. So we appreciate you being here. Thank you. And we had uh, good safe travels up here. Uh, didn't encounter any problems at all. So we're glad for that. Uh, probably took us a little longer than we thought because we don't take the route that GPS tells us. Um, but I still make it a challenge. The ET time, that, that's, not, that's a challenge to me. And we, we beat it. Not by much, but we beat it. So. All right, well, let me read for you again Titus chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, from which we'll take our, our text, and then I've got a few other verses here we'll read besides as well. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledge of the truth, which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began, but hath in due times manifested His word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior, to Titus, thine own son, after the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior." And then in John chapter 18 and verse 37, Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? And Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end I was born. And for this cause came I unto the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and said unto them, I find in him no fault at all. And then in John fourteen six, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. John seventeen seventeen, Sanctify them through thy truth, Thy word is truth. John seventeen nineteen, And for their sakes I sanctify Myself, that they, may, that, that they also might be sanctified through truth. I guess if I'm going to have a title for the message tonight, it would be The Impact of Truth. What impact does truth have in our lives? It's an age-old question anyway. It's the same one that Pilate asked. What is truth? That has been the battle 
of all the ages, every battle that's ever been fought between, between men, every battle that's been fought between uh, men in the spiritual realm, it has always been over truth. Matter of fact, the battle between man and the devil has been over truth. From the very outset of life, the battle has been over truth. Adam and Eve, what was their battle with the serpent? It was over truth. God said, in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. What was it that the serpent said? Yeah, he said, oh no. That's that's not so. Because in the day you eat it, you're going to be as gods. And then what did he do? It also caused Eve to doubt the truth. And she said, no, God said we couldn't even touch it. But God didn't say that. He said, in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So the battle from the very beginning with man and Satan has been over truth. And the battle between man and God has been over truth from the very beginning. We can even go back further than that if you'd like to. Because Lucifer in heaven, what was his battle? And I want to be worshipped as God, but God can't be. God can only be worshipped. And yet Satan lied to the angels and said, "No, you worship me. I'm going to be lifted up. I'm going to be above God." Satan wanted to be in the place of God. And what was that battle over? Truth. Because there's one God. And Satan wanted to take his place. In John chapter 8 and verse 44, what did God, or what did Jesus say of the, the scribes and the Pharisees? He said, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Tyrants, (laughs) and I guess we could take a look at, at Lucifer, we could take a look at the devil, Satan, and see him as a tyrant. He fits the bill. You take, well, I don't want to get too political, but you take a look what's in the White House right now. Huh? Anyway, tyrants are liars. The media media mafia, they're liars. The devil lied so he could get control because he wanted to be recognized as God, and that's exactly what the tyrants do. They lie so they can get control of the people. The importance of knowing truth and, and the importance of knowing what truth is 
can never be underestimated because it determines what you should and what you shouldn't do. Truth will alert you to lies and falsehood. If you read the truth, the Word of God, you'll recognize the false word when it's presented. Man, I'm telling you, there's nothing like reading the Word of God. I'm I'm not here to try to toot my horn or anything, but I read my Bible through six times a year. I'm not telling you, you have to read your Bible through six times a year. And, and with some preachers, that's very minimal what I do. But you ought to read your Bible through at least once a year so you'll know what's in it. When somebody starts throwing out some of the devil's so-called scriptures, you'll catch it right away. You'll pick up on it right away. Because if you don't, guess what? That gets rattled around in your mind, and then you get started, you start getting confused on the Word of God. And that's exactly what they want. That's what the devil wants. That's what he did with Eve. That's what, that's what the tyrants want to do today. They want to confuse you with their words. So, it's important to know this book. What did Satan, what did, what did the devil do with Jesus? Three times. He tried to tempt Him. Using and twisting the Scriptures. But what did Jesus do? What did He come back with Him with? What did He come back at Him with? It is written. It is written. It is written. Man, I'm telling you, the written Word of God is very important to us. And we ought to make sure that we're in it so that we'll have it in our, in our minds and in our hearts. We got so many believers out there today, and 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 listen. Let me say this right here. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get the shotgun out. We're gonna shoot some rabbits on the way right here. But let me say this right here, and I don't know if you listen to any of my preaching. I wouldn't suggest that you do. Uh, God's given you a pastor. I don't suggest you listen to any other man's preaching. Uh oh. Getting quiet. God gave you a pastor. He is your gift from God. You ought to listen to his preaching. Because you start listening to somebody else's preaching, another man's preaching, and guess what? If he doesn't preach the same as your pastor, then it starts causing confusion. In your heart and mind. Yeah, but that guy has hundreds of videos, thousands of videos on YouTube. Doesn't make him good. Doesn't make him right. You listen to your pastor. He's right. He's your gift, that from God. Amen. I just like it like that. (laughs) Listen. Listening to these TV preachers, don't. 
I've been asked several times, well, who's your favorite TV preacher? I don't have one. I don't want one. Why? Because people start listening to them. But he's on TV. He's got to be more right than you are. He's got to be more right than my preacher is. Because he's on TV. He's got, he's got six, seven thousand people in his church. He's got to be right. I don't know how many of y'all running here. Just let me tell you this. Pastor McMurtry's right. Okay? He's your pastor. Okay, we shot that rabbit. Amen? I don't make me run down there and do that again. I may have a heart attack coming back up here. But listen, we need to know the truth, and we need to listen to the man of God. But, but if, here's what I was going to say. If you listen to any of my preaching, which again, I, I suggest that you don't, because you have a pastor, listen to him. But there's this, there's this movement now that's been going on now for several years that, well, our church just preaches the gospel. Thank God your church does not just preach the gospel. You want to know why? Because you'd all be a bunch of weak-kneed jellyfish Christians. You need the entire Word of God. You need the whole counsel of God to grow thereby. The gospel's good for salvation. It's not good for growth. You need the Word of God for growth. So, uh, listen, you need the Word of God preached to you. And if you read the truth, and if you've got the Word of God in your mind and in your heart, and by the way, here's the point I was getting ready to make here before I run that rabbit. God's not going to take the top of your head off and then dump the Word of God in there, okay? He wants you to pick this book up because it is written. He wants you to pick this book up and read it. Therein is truth. And you want God to use the Word of God through you? You're going to have to get the Word of God in you. Otherwise, He can't use it through you. So, the importance of knowing truth can never be underestimated. The Apostle, in his greeting to Titus, claims his position based on the acknowledging of the truth. You remember what, what takes place in the book of Romans in chapter 1, in verse 25? What, what, started all, what starts all this off? This whole downfall. When God starts uh, uh, giving up, giving people up, giving people over, what starts this downfall? What does it say in verse 25? They changed the truth of God into a lie. Let me say this all truth is of God. All truth. God is truth. All truth is of God. And the Apostle 
in his greeting here to Titus, based his position on the acknowledging of truth. His basis of truth shows us the impact of truth on one's life. I was, I was going to joke around with you a little bit, and I might anyway. Um, again, if you've seen any of my preaching, we just went through the book of, of Galatians here recently and uh, went verse by verse. Uh, one chapter takes about three weeks for me. So uh, we're just going to do just a few verses here, so I'll be back next week to finish it up. <laughs> Um, my point number one truth is timeless truth is timeless verse two says that truth was promised before the world began take a look at it in Titus chapter one and verse two in hope of eternal life which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Truth always has been truth. Let me ask you a question this evening. How much lie do you need to add to truth and truth still be truth? You can't add any lie because as soon as you add just a iota of lie then truth no longer is truth. Go back to Romans chapter 1, verse 25 again. They changed the truth of God into a lie. Didn't say how much. But any lie added to truth makes it a lie. It's either all truth or all lie. Well, I'm telling you, um, but truth is timeless. Why was why has truth always been truth? Because God always is. Now there may be some out there that would have. I know that's right grammar. There might have been some said, "Well, God always was." No, God always is. There never time there never was a time when God wasn't, so was doesn't doesn't make it right. God always is, so truth always is. And there never was a time that God did not exist, so there never was a time when truth did not exist in God. I'm always amazed at those who try to dictate the truth began on earth that just boggles my mind truth didn't come about until earth was created and man was put on here then because we know what truth is no god knows what truth is because god is truth that's why that's why i kept reading uh, the script passages from john matter of fact you want to find something out about truth you go back to the book of john I think it's mentioned in the book of John 55 times. The word truth. More than any book in the Bible. 55 times. And we know that within that, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, 
And because Jesus, manifest, God manifest in the flesh, is God, it's truth. Let me tell you this. Truth has always been truth even before the world began. This is what God said. This is what He said there in verse 2. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. We know that God's Word is truth and that His Word was settled before the world began. I get tickled over these theologians that want to go back to the originals. Well, they're going, they're going to get a big shock because they don't have the originals. And if they want to go back to the originals, guess where they got to go? Huh? The originals are settled in heaven. Amen? They're settled in heaven. And if those theologians want the originals, guess where they got to go? Well, I doubt most of them ain't going to make it there. <laughs> I'm not trying to reprobate anybody, okay? But I'm just saying, they think that they got to have the originals. Well, if they want them, it's settled in heaven. And they'll try to use that argument against somebody that believes the King James Bible. You know what I'm saying? They absolutely will. Well, I guess they're going to have to trust Jesus Christ as their Savior so they can get to heaven and find the originals. Anyway, rabbit two. But God's Word is truth, and it's settled in heaven. God's Word, which is truth, was settled before any prophet spoke a word of it. God's Word, which is truth, was settled before Moses ever penned a word of it. God's Word, which is truth, was settled in heaven before any scribe, any judge, or any modern-day translator uh, wrote a word of it. Truth, God's Word, was settled in heaven. By the way, the modern-day perverters... Again, if they want the originals, which they claim they have to have, they're going to have to get to heaven to see them. Because that's where the originals are. But listen, I have a copy of the originals right here in the authorized King James Bible. Amen. 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 Because I don't know what they're going to do with in, in, in Jeremiah where he cut up the originals that was handed to him and cut them up with a penknife, throw them in the fire and burn them on the hearth. Huh? And then God said, right, here's the copy of it. Go ahead and write these words down. And then what happened to those? They were tossed in the river. And yet, if you go on, you'll find the exact words that was written in those copies. In the originals and in the copies. We have it in Jeremiah. So, now, I have a preserved copy of God's Word from the originals. Amen. So, truth was settled before there were preachers who tried to undermine it. 
so that it would so that they can live their compromised lifestyle. Truth is timeless, which means it was truth before the world began and will remain truth after this world shall end. It was truth before we were born, it will be truth after we're gone. Point number two, if you're keeping score. Truth is guaranteed. Truth is guaranteed. Take a look at it in verse 2 again. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie. God's truth has a guarantee to it. I like that. I like guarantees. Anybody else? Man, it's great when you can get a guarantee from something. Whatever God promises in His Word, it will come to pass. If God says something in His Word, we know it is true. But better yet, we know that it has a guarantee standing behind it. God. You may ask, how do we know it has this guarantee? Well, it's guaranteed because God cannot lie. Isn't that great to know? God cannot lie. And whatever promise He gives us, we have a guarantee from Him that it will come to pass. If God promised to bless you if you lived right, you're guaranteed that He will bless you. Deuteronomy chapter 28. Matter of fact, it would do you real well to go back and read Deuteronomy chapter 28 and study that through really, really close. And find out the blessings and the cursings that God has promised. But listen to Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 1. And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all His commandments, which I command thee this day, and the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come on thee. I like that. It's a guarantee. If you hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord thy God, He says all these blessings will come upon thee. I like that. They're going to come on you. But then look at this next, look at this next phrase. They'll come on you and overtake thee. You can't escape them. They're not only going to come on you, but you can't escape them. If you listen diligently, if you hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord thy God and do all His, all His commandments, then guess what? He's going to bless you. They'll come upon you. You can't outrun them. They're going to overtake you. I like that. And the older I get, I don't run very fast anyway, so I just, I'm not going to try to outrun them. Just stand there and let them over, let them come on you. Amen. If thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. So listen, 
God has promised blessings if we hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to do His commandments. He's promised blessings. That's a guarantee. That's a guarantee that those blessings are going to come on you. That's a guarantee that you can't outrun them. That's a guarantee. They're going to overtake you. But then, well, let's go ahead here. Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 14. And thou shalt not go aside from any of the words which I command thee this day to the right hand or to the left to go after other gods to serve them. So if God promised to bless you if you're doing right, then He also has a curse that if you go to the left hand or to the right hand, not to do His commandments from a God that cannot lie, that gives us a guarantee. He says, these curses is going to come upon you. Let's see what it says here. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 14. And thou shalt not go aside from any of the words which I command thee this day to the right hand or to the left to go after other gods to serve them. If God promised to curse you, if you don't live right, you are guaranteed that He'll curse you. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, Verse 15, let's see what it says here. But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe all, to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, all, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Now wait a minute. God said He had blessings if we hearken diligently that came upon you. That's a guarantee. They're coming on you. They're going to overtake you. You can't outrun them. But God says if you're not going to hearken diligently unto the voice to do all the commandments, then He says these curses are going to come upon you and they'll overtake you. You're not going to outrun the the curses of God. We know, folks, we absolutely know sin carries its own consequences. But when we do not hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord thy God to do His commandments, He promises that those curses are going to come upon us and we can't outrun them. Now, now listen. How come preachers aren't preaching this stuff today? Right. Huh? That's right. Oh, wait a minute. Let me tell you why. They've got a beer room in the church house so the preacher can go, go down and have a beer with the boys. Huh? Yeah. Uh, not that far from here. I called it nearly 35 years ago. I said, you watch it. They got them neon signs out front. Come and see what our play is on the platform this Sunday. It wasn't long he's done putting in a 
beer room in the church so he can go down and have a beer with the good old boys. Well, let me help you out. They have what they call a couple's night out. For troubled couples. Now, he doesn't send husband and wife out together. He mixes the couples, the couples up. So, this woman who's having trouble in her marriage can go out with this man who's having trouble in his marriage and they can talk over their relationship. Now, how much trouble do you suppose that... Yeah. Huh? And you wonder why the pastor had an adulterous affair. Well, that's why they won't preach this stuff. They have the front porch sittings on the platform, sitting in the swings. Let's just talk about Jesus. And listen, there's not, it's good to talk about Jesus. But let's hear the Word of God. That's what's going to change lives. That's what's going to help straight. Listen, I got saved when I was a youngster, about 12 years old. For 15 years, I had no encouragement out of the Word of God. My daddy at that time claimed to be an atheist. Didn't want anything to do with church. I happened to be invited to go to a, a, a youth meeting where they showed a movie. And out of that movie, the best that Hollywood could, they showed two, two of the young men that was with another young man who was killed in a car wreck, died and went to hell. The best that Hollywood could show what hell was like, it showed these two young men in hell. I knew I didn't want to go there. They showed this other young man uh, who died, and the best that Hollywood could, they showed him going to heaven. And then they showed another young man who uh, accepted Christ as his Savior and lived to be a, a living testimony for the Lord. Now this was all a movie. But they gave an invitation at the end of that. And that was about as much gospel as I knew, folks. Hell was a real place and I didn't want to go there. Heaven is a real place and that's the place I wanted to go and I knew that Jesus was who was, who was going to get me there. When they gave the invitation, I beat foot down to the altar. And the best I knew how, I asked Jesus Christ to be my Savior. Hey, I didn't have to go to theological seminary, cemetery, try to understand the Word of God. That's what I knew about the Gospel. That's what I knew. I wanted to go to heaven, I didn't want to go to hell. That's, that's, that, that's what I knew. And Jesus was what was going to get me to heaven. But for 15 years, I had no encouragement going to church, reading the Bible, none of that. And though little as I tried to read what Bible I could understand, what little bit I could read, because I didn't care to read a lot when I was younger. Um, but anyway, we'll, we'll go on. <laughs> but listen... It wasn't until I started hearing the preaching of God's Word and getting into God's Word that 
my life really started changing. And I mean, it was from the preaching of God's Word that changed my life. Did Jesus change me? He absolutely did. He changed my direction from going to hell to going to heaven. But I'm telling you, it was the preaching of the Word of God that changed my life. And we were in a small little community church where the people were nice and quiet. You'd almost thought we was up in Canada. I hope that didn't offend anybody. But anyway, uh, it was so nice and quiet in there until Dale got there. And we used to sit clear in the back, in the backslidden seats, about where Josh and Aaron are at. Back here in the back seats. <laughs> but that's where we sat. And I started getting excited about the Word of God, hearing it preached. And I'd say amen once in a while. Not real loud, but I'd say amen once in a while. And then I was getting more excited about the Word of God being preached. And we moved down to the front about right where my wife sat and then. And then I started to... I mean, I was getting louder with my amens. They wasn't used to none of that. You could almost hear them people with their glasses. <laughs> oh, he'll settle down one of these days. It's just that exuberant youth in him, you know. It's been 40 years and I'm more excited about Jesus now than I ever have been. Amen. Amen. So listen, we have a guarantee of the Word of God. Listen, uh, turn to Malachi. I know people don't like to hear this preached. They don't, uh, matter of fact, they probably wish Malachi was ripped out of the Bible. Malachi chapter 3. And I'm not going to read all of it. There's no need to. But Malachi chapter 3, starting in verse 8. And I'm not going to get on anybody tonight for tithing. I'm not your pastor. But I just want you to see what God says about this and the guarantee He gives if you fail to tithe and your offerings... Because you're robbing God. Look at what he says. Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we, have we robbed thee? He gets pretty plain, doesn't he? In tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with a curse. Those are... Is this on? All right. Ye are cursed with a curse from a God who cannot lie, who gives you a guarantee. We have a guarantee. God is giving them a guarantee right here. Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. 
I'd really like to just stop right there because <laughs> our nation's in trouble. Our nation's in trouble. Why? Because from a God who cannot lie, you're cursed with a curse. Why? Because they're robbing God. Let's just go on here. And then he says, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now wherewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, and ye shall not and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. I'll tell you why I was snickering there just a little bit. When he says he'll pour, open up the windows of heaven, pour out a blessing. We're a pretty small church. We have a couple that drives two hours from Indianapolis to come to church. I haven't figured that out. I'm no great preacher or anything. But they love, they love, they love the preaching. They love my wife. That's what the deal is. Every place we go, we just love your wife. (laughs) That's good. I do too. (laughs) But we're a pretty small church, so. When it comes to taking care of our utilities there at the church, this pastor gets pretty worried sometimes. They was due on Tuesday. Monday, and past, I know not all pastors do this. I do. I was whining. God, I ain't got a clue how we're going to get them paid. We've got this much, and the bill's this much. God, I ain't got a clue. I don't know how. I mean, I was looking at everything. We didn't even come close to having anything in our bank account to cover. God provides. He opened up a window and poured out a blessing. Why? I was faithful in tithing. On what we had. And God opened up the windows and poured out a blessing. Utility bills bill was paid and we still got money in the bank yet. It ain't a lot, but there's money there. And the preacher can quit whining for a little bit until next month rolls around. <laughs> and that's why I was snickering right there just a little bit when I read that. God is so good, ain't He? And He keeps His promises, and we have a guarantee from Him from a God who cannot lie. I like that. Amen. No, I, I, I'm, I'm not like uh, Brother Tom Williams. I'm not putting an elevator in our church so that we can ride up and down hope God sends money in there, you know. But anyway, <laughs> and maybe some of you don't know the story about Brother Tom Williams. His wife uh, contracted... I can't remember what it was now, meningitis while they was over in Israel. And they got her back here to America as quickly as possible. And uh, he was doing the same thing I was on an elevator. 
riding down from his wife's room from the floor down there and riding in an elevator whining to God. I guess I'm not the only preacher that does that. He says, God, I don't know how we're going to pay this hospital bill. He stepped out of there and went to the desk to find out how much the bill was. And the nurse says, oh, uh, Mr. Williams, uh, Preacher Williams, we're glad you're here. We just got this envelope here. It's for you. He opened the envelope up. Enough money in there to cover the hospital bill for that way. Yeah. Preachers all over America were putting elevators in their church. If they didn't have a second floor, they was building the second floor and putting an elevator in it. But anyway. So listen. If God says that He will answer your prayer, He's going to answer your prayer because He promised it. There are many guarantees in this world that cannot be fulfilled. But when God says something, when God gives you a promise, and it is from a God that cannot lie, you have a guarantee that it will come to pass. Listen to what it says in 1 John chapter 2. I have not written unto you because ye not know the, because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Point number three. Truth is relevant. What I don't even know when we started, brother. Okay. Well, I was going to. <laughs> By now, my folks, my folks is already, well, this is a two-part message. He said 15 minutes. That's 15 minutes past the first hour. But anyway, so uh, point number three, if you're keeping score again. Truth is relevant. In other words, truth never changes. Isn't that great? Truth never changes. Why does truth never change? Because we have a God that never changes. Amen? In Titus chapter 1 and verse 1, it says this, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness. Listen, the unchangeability of truth is one of the greatest battles that we fight today because many modern-day Balaam's Attempt to say truth changes with time. Truth does not change with time. Let me say this. Truth never changes, for if it changes, then it's not truth. What was right before the world began is still right today. What God commanded us to do in the Old Testament, He still commands us to do today. Just because we don't live under the law, meaning it's condemnation, and we live in grace, God's power, doesn't mean that God has changed truth to fit our needs. Huh? God doesn't change truth to fit our needs. We need to change our needs to meet God's truth. And that's what a lot of people do. They try to read the Word of God, leave out certain things, so it meets their needs rather than us meeting God's needs. 
Watch out for modern-day wolves in sheep clothing who attempt to base truth on cultural acceptance. Just because culture says it's okay doesn't mean it's okay. Do I need to extrapolate on that a little bit? Huh? Just because they're accepting of the sodomites? Huh? Just because they're accepting of same-sex marriage? I am so sick of what I'm seeing taking place in our old... Let me tell you something. This old IFB preacher right here ain't changing for all that stuff. Just because culture's accepting it, I'm not. God's Word ain't changed, and the rest of them can change if they want to. They're going to stand before God, not me on that. Amen. Thank you. That's right. Got to be careful about those in sheep's clothing that want to base truth on cultural acceptance. Because they say truth changes when culture changes. Matter of fact, we had such a struggle and I don't know if they still teach this in schools or not. I try not to pay a whole lot of attention to public, to government schools anymore. Just to know that my kids aren't in there, and I'm hoping most of my grandkids aren't in there, and my great-grandkids aren't going in there. But they are teaching there's that there was no absolutes in today's society. I got absolutes right here. I got an absolute God. I got a God that cannot lie. I got a Word of God that's, that is truth and it is relevant for us today. And it ain't changing just because culture changes. God said, whichever, uh, whichever has not never changed, and it is as relevant in your life today as it was to those who followed it, it in yesteryears. Truth is relevant, but it never changes. Just follow me along in some of these scriptures. You don't have to turn to them. I'm just going to read through them very fast. Very fast. But listen to Psalm 119.89, and we've already made this one pretty clear. Forever, O Lord, Thy Word is settled in heaven. Numbers 23.19 God is not a man that he should lie, neither the Son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall not do it? Or hath he spoken, and it shall, and, ha- and shall he not make it good? Psalm 33.11 The counsel of the Lord standeth forever, the thoughts of his heart to all Generations. How many generations? I like that three little letter word. A L L. Can any can any of the great theologians in here tell me what that means? That that little word all is pretty simple, isn't it? It means all. God said it's to all generations. 
Psalms 90 and verse 2, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. God does not change. His Word does not change. Psalm 102, I said, O my God, take me not away in the midst of my days. Thy years are throughout all generations. Of old hast thou laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are, thy, are the work of thy hands. They shall perish, but thou shalt endure. Yea, all of them shall wax old like a garment, and a vesture shalt thou change them. And they shall be changed, but thou art the same, and thy years shall have no end. The children of thy servants shall continue, and their seed shall be established before thee. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 8, The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob, are not consumed. By the way, who are the sons of Jacob? We are. We are Abraham's seed in Jesus Christ. Amen? Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. James chapter 1 and verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Fourth point. We have a guarantee from God. Truth is relevant. Truth is timeless. Point number four. Truth is life-changing. It will absolutely change our lives. Verse three says this, that God manifests His Word through preaching. And I don't think I need to spend a lot of time with this because we know that the preaching of God's Word will change us. I've already alluded to that before, but let's go on here just just for a little bit. Verse 3, But hath in due times manifested His Word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. Remember, folks, it's by the foolishness of preaching that lives are changed. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 says this, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us, which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I like them words, it is written, it is written. I'll say something here in a little bit. If I don't, just remember I was going to. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? 
For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. What does he say about the Word? How is it that people get saved? By hearing the Word. Amen? That's how our faith grows. Romans chapter 10, verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not heard, or have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily. Their sound went into all the earth, and their words unto the ends of the world. Now, I'm hoping I don't pour a little poo-poo on anybody. But we have this teaching going around that people cannot be saved unless they hear the gospel. You can't pass out a gospel track and anybody get saved by it. Have you all heard that teaching? I don't believe Brother Tommy, uh, brother, I'm sorry, Pastor McMurtry teaches that. We had a young couple in our church. The man said, oh, gospel tracks are just trash. The Bible says, how shall they, how shall they, Believe on Him whom they have not heard, and how shall they hear unless a preacher be sent? He says they've got to hear the gospel. But it says, as it is written. Well, let me ask you something. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. Is that the Word of God? You suppose somebody's reading that in their mind, they're hearing it? Huh? For the wages of sin is death. Is that Scripture? That's the Holy Writ right here on paper. Just like it is in this paper. It's the Holy Writ. It is the Scriptures. They say, well, they can't get saved by a piece of paper. I have a letter in my study. I refuse to throw some of this away, but maybe I should. One of these days, my kids is going to get the great opportunity going through it and throwing it away. I have a letter in my study that I refuse to throw away. 
my wife and I were staying in a hotel down in, huh? Yeah, it was down south of Indianapolis, or south and west of Indianapolis, down in Brown County. There you go, we'll just go there. We were staying in a hotel. Every time I go to a hotel, restaurant, wherever I go, I leave a gospel track. It wasn't one like this. It was actually a how to get to how to get to heaven through the Romans road, but it was one similar to this. I left the gospel track lay on top of the TV because I knew that they were going to come in and clean. I received a letter about a week and a half after I we had come back home. And in that letter I'm just going to abbreviate things real short here. In that letter, this is what was said. Pastor Hart, thank you for leaving that gospel track on the TV. Your room was going to be my last room to clean for the night. It was going to be my last night at work because I was going to go out and commit suicide. Life was so bad to me that I was going, this, that was, that was, your room was my last room. This was my last night. I was going to go out and commit suicide. And she said, because I found that track and sat down and read that track, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. Don't you tell me gospel tracks don't work. I'll punch you right in the face. (laughs) All right. I'm sorry. I can't punch you in the face. Pastors can't be strikers. I'll get my wife to do it. (laughs) Ask her doctor. She'll... He'll tell you. (laughs) Get the Word of God to them. Hey, you go into Walmart who's creating a a shortage right now, but when you go in there, hand them a gospel tract. You go through the checkout line. Listen, they ain't got time to stand there. I mean, you know, they've got, they've got one line opened up for the whole store and you've got uh, 60 people standing out behind there. They ain't got time to stand there and read it. Hand them the gospel tract. Say, don't read it now. Don't read it on your boss's time. Read it when you've got time. But hand them a gospel tract. If anybody behind you says something, turn and hand them one. Yeah, yeah, shut them right down. (laughs) Don't be afraid to hand out gospel tracts, folks. Why? Because on it, it is written. Right on there, it is written. It's on the track. It is written. It's there. Listen. You don't need to join some 12-step program to get your life changed. I didn't. When I'd surrendered my life to the Lord 15 years after I'd wasted most of it, 
After I was saved, I wasted 15 years of my life. And when I surrendered my life to the Lord, guess what? I didn't use no 12-step program. It just took one step. And that was to Jesus. And the Holy Spirit said, quit your drinking. Quit. Holy Spirit said, quit your smoking. I didn't have to have those patches and chew a whole bunch of gum and go through shots and hypnotism and all that nonsense. I didn't go through none of that. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit said, quit. I quit. Now listen, I stopped a thousand times before. But when the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit said, quit, that was it. Now him and I struggled a little bit when it came to my chewing. Wasn't so much his struggling as it was mine. I liked it a little better than he did. Connie and I, Miss Connie and I were out in the garden, getting ready to work in the garden. And I just grabbed out a new can and just took my thumbnail and went around that top and popped that top off of that and was getting ready to get me a good old pinch. And the Holy Spirit said, Not today. It's time to stop. I walked out in the garden, turned that can over, stomped the can and the lid in the garden. That was it. You don't need a big 12 set. When, when we was working at the mission in Huntington, West Virginia, they was bringing a fellow in. He's going to introduce a new seven-step program to help the men in in the uh, in the uh, uh, mission, and they was going around the room talking to different preachers, and it came my turn. Well, as bashful as I am, I said, "Do we really need any more programs? Any step programs?" I said, "We've already got a twelve-step program that we've tried. We've got a ten-step program." I said, now a seven-step program? Hey, when I quit, I took one step, and that was towards Jesus. And it solved the problem. Amen. Why don't we just get them to Jesus and then preach the Word of God? And one of the other preachers, who was more on the liberal-leaning side, stood up and said, I'm with Brother Hart. I'm with Brother Hart. Well, I didn't last real long after that anyway. But They needed those programs because they was using perverted Bibles and I was throwing them out as fast as they was bringing them out, pushing the King James, but they didn't like that too well. So, But anyway, look, we don't need any more programs to have our life changed. What we need to do is follow the truth of the Word of God and it will change our lives. It's exactly what we need. Truth is life-changing, but it must be followed if we're going to change, if it's going to change our lives. I don't know if I've said anything about this last time that we were here, but folks, if you're struggling with something, read Romans chapter 6. 
Read Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 23. Read it all. Romans chapter 6. I promise you it will change your life. It will help you. Why? Because it tells you that if you're yielding yourself to unrighteousness, that's who you are servant to. But if you yield yourself to righteousness, then you are a servant of righteousness. You just need to read Romans. I read it for 30 days every day. Every day. And I still read it a lot. Why? Because it helps me. It straightened me out on a lot of things. And it changed my life. It helped change my life. Romans chapter 6. I know my people are probably tired of me uh, 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 ranting on it, but I'm going to stay on it until I know that they're reading it and see that it's making a change in their lives. Truth will still make an impact today if we allow it. Don't fall into the devil's trap that truth is evolving. Listen, that's his trick. To destroy our lives. God's Word is truth. Follow it. For in following God's Word, you'll realize the impact it has in your life.